Hello, everybody, and welcome back to How Do You Hustle with Cami Dimitrova, a podcast where I interview comedians about their day jobs. That's right. Um, it has sort of evolved into talking about day jobs, but then really just talking about life and how do you hustle life. So maybe that'll be the new name of the podcast, but for now, we're keeping it. Um, before I introduce the guest this week, um, I obviously have to address the elephant in the room, which is coronavirus. And that's something that's very much on people's minds right now. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, the only thing I, that's really come to mind is like just knowing that everyone's quarantined and sort of staying inside and figuring stuff out and knowing a lot of things are canceled and reading the news and maybe feeling overwhelmed with that stuff. Um, and I just want to acknowledge it and say that like, I get it and, um, I'm feeling it too. And I think it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I personally can only speak to what I'm experiencing. Um, I still have a job. I work from home. Uh, so that part, uh, hasn't really affected me. It's affected a lot of people that I love though, of course. Um, but I mean, my life really hasn't changed that much. Still, still working from home, making calls, um, and, uh, but yeah, I think it's just, it's obviously strange to, you know, to feel like this palpable sense of, I don't know, like just the, the craziness that's going on. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone is staying sane and still doing things they love and being creative and writing and performing virtually. Obviously a lot of the platforms where we used to perform and, and, uh, do the things we love are closed. And, um, yeah, so I think it's just a hard time right now, but it's really cool to see how people are still finding community and still wanting to connect, even if it's not in person. Um, we're still doing it online. Um, and yeah, and we're still trying to, trying to love each other, which I think is great. Um, so hopefully all this crap will be over soon and we can just move on and live our lives. But for now, this is it. Um, cool. Okay. That's my spiel. Um, in terms of the guest. All right, let's get to the guest. We have the one and only Octavia Leona Koner on this week. I mean, she's pretty amazing. She's a trans comic here in uh, New York City. Uh, she has a day job at Bayland. She's a sex educator uh, and works there. She's been working there for five years. She's also a performer in New York and started off as a sketch comic on Boogie Manja. Um, she talks about her story is incredible. She uh, grew up in Staten Island and uh, talks about what it was like being openly gay there and later coming out as trans in New York. And she talks about her her mental health and struggles with depression and her journey getting out of that, which is pretty powerful and amazing to listen to. Got goosebumps when we were talking about it. Got goosebumps talking about it now. Um, so yeah, and she just, she really openly and vulnerably talks about that, which is pretty epic. And then, uh, she also talks about her passion for politics and how she's involved with that and why she is passionate for fixing problems in the world. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty great uh, conversation that we had, at least I think. So without further ado, Octavia Leona Koner. Uh, my day job is sex educator uh, slash sales associate over at Babeland. And I am not a representative of Babeland today. I am here on my own stuff. Hey. Kind of. Wait. No. Okay. I don't know how to phrase it. How do you phrase like... Babeland, please don't sue or fire me. <laughs> I think that's how you phrase it. Great. Okay. I think cool. that's how you phrase it. I'm not an official representative of Babeland, but I do work there. Okay. Gotcha. And for those who don't know what Babeland is. Babeland is a uh, like feminist owned sex toy shop slash adult entertainment emporium situation. Yeah. It's very like well lit uh. and sort of soft colors and lots of open space. It's like more of a... um. It's more of an experience than most sex toy shops. Sure, sure. So and so and you are there as a teacher. Yeah, uh, sex educator slash sales associate. So gotcha. like I both, uh, I just do like daily retail stuff of like selling products and upkeep of store, and then there's also like leading workshops and just people will come in sometimes and not really be looking for a product, but instead be looking more for just advice and help. That is so awesome. And you get to be that person to be like, oh, I will. Um, what are some of the things that you do workshops on? Some of the topics? Um, I mean, like I, I do less workshops now because they are at inconvenient hours. 
Um, but I used to do workshops on like blowjobs and analinguists, although that one was one I made up, and uh, leather, which is another one I just kind of made up. Um, someone called out and they were like, just do whatever you want and we need something. And I was like, great, I'm going to talk about leather for the next 15 minutes. Let's do this. Just like the, this is the texture. I was just like, did you know patent leather was, it's just plastic on top of leather. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. Everyone's like taking notes (laughs) and you're like, yeah, write that down. That's yeah. Um, that is so cool. And do you enjoy uh, your job? Um, I enjoy a lot of my job. I don't enjoy like every part of my job, but I think that's like any job. Yeah. That's totally fair. Um, how long have you been working there? I am hitting five years in July. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You've been there for a hot minute. Yeah. Okay. Is that the first job you had moving to New York? Um, I was born here. You were born here? Yeah. Okay. Where are you from? Um, I was born in Brooklyn in Canarsie. Mm-hmm. And then when I was young, my family moved to Staten Island. Hello. Um, we just like were committed to being bridge and tunnel people. <laughs> um, and then for college, I moved to Manhattan because I got into CUNY Hunter. Dope. Okay. You went to Hunter. Mm-hmm. Hello. And what'd you study there? Well, I'm still there. Okay. I'm a non-traditional student. Can you keep which yep. is a nice way of saying I dropped out because I was a crazy transsexual and now I'm trying to get it back together. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, so I'm uh, finishing up my degree in anthropology. Very cool. Did you start out studying anthropology as well? Well, I mean, like there was that whole like year of being like, oh, what do I do? Right. And then like I was just like, oh, anthropology is like interesting and rigorous enough mm-hmm. because I was just like, uh, like no shade, but I was like, women and gender studies is great and it's really important. And I was like, but where's the science part of it? Right. But then I fucked myself because I'm not doing actual STEM. So like no one's going to hire me ever. Okay. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, and you, when did you decide to go back to school? Oh, it's very hot. Yeah, we're drinking tea. Um, I <laughs> decided to go back to school about a year ago-ish. Okay. Um, I'm in my second semester of like non-traditional studentry. Um, and I just, uh, when I got with my husband, a lot of my life sort of started to stabilize Very and cool. I started to sort of find more of what my long-term goals were. And so at like about a year and a half ago, I was just like, oh, you know, I guess I need a degree for stuff eventually. Okay. Um, and I do want to talk about like all of that and like the journey for you, um, in life. Um, but just circling back quickly to your day job, how do you feel like that balances with the stuff you're doing with comedy is that like, is it a good sort of balance? Have you found well, you've been there for five years? So maybe like, yes, or? Well, uh, my job is very generous with sort of the schedule that I have. Great. Uh, I have, I have like, I work five days a day, uh, five days a week, but it's just opening only. And it's like super convenient where I get off at like 4.30. So when I have to do shows or rehearsals or classes, it's just like, I can just slip out and go. Great. Can you pop out during the day ever? Is it flexible in that way or it's is it not, harder to do that? It's much harder to do that. So sure. it's not like, it, it's like, it's not like minor gig helpful right. where it's like, oh no, I have to do this for like, <laughs> but it, it's like, it's, it's fine. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, it is what it is. It's yeah. your job. Great. Um, and you are also a comedian or slash that, is that like the main way, like, like the main creative um thing yeah. you're doing or are you also like do you really like, i'm a writer and like uh, do all this stuff? i mean i'm I, I i'm mostly just general performer 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 i'm a performer you're a performer, I'm a performer. okay she I, performs i feel like if i did improv and or stand up then i'd be able to call myself a comedian okay but i guess i'm a comedic actress okay gotcha gotcha okay i'm also a clown okay also a clown um and you are where do you perform mostly and like is that um uh, mostly original stuff or are you doing sketch stuff um so i'm performing sketch comedy through boogie manja cool on right now a team called anxious at the disco and last year i did adult trauma club um which was actually the first audition i ever had was for uh, boogie manja oh my gosh um and yeah no i also got into comedy fairly recently oh great um, so m- that was my first thing ever and then I got it and I was just like okay I'll do this this is I fun. like this what what prompted you to get into comedy well my husband took a sketch comedy class at UCB because he was just like trying to find a new creative avenue he was previously like an editor for like literature and then like he became dissatisfied with what he was doing there which is uh and then he was just like I don't know what I'm gonna do so I'll take the sketch comedy class and it looked really fun he would show me the sketches he was writing and I was like that's funny um, and then we went to go see, uh, like, 
classes together for his homework, essentially. And um, I don't know. I was still trying to figure out what to do with my life. And it was just like, am I going back to college? Am I not going back to college? And then he was like, why don't you take an improv class? Like, it'll be like helpful. (laughs) And then it was. And then it was. (laughs) And then you liked it. And then I liked it. Yeah, I took Improv 101. And that's like the, like one of, like that's the only class I've ever taken at UCB. And it's uh, the only comedic training I have aside from one clown class. Um, and it was just great. We went to go actually see a show, uh, that Chloe Kozer was in. Yeah. And, um, like we ambushed her after the show and we were like, we're trans. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi. Be our friend. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for yeah doing this. Yeah. And then I invited her to karaoke and then like we just became friends. It was really nice. That is so, so awesome. Did you continue on the improv track or? Um, I, I like, I did the improv one-on-one class and, I haven't, I like, we're doing, I was doing jams during that, but I haven't like done any since. It was just, um, just like an entry point into this community. Yeah, I was an entry point into the community and it's, uh, it's really, really hard and I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> no, um, I feel like that's not true given like, you know, your reputation in the community. I feel like you're not, but I have but, a reputation. In the or, community. I don't know. Or just like the stuff that I see on Instagram where you're like doing all these cool things. I feel like. you're. Oh yeah. I mean like I'd, I prefer not to think about anything sure, and sure. establishing a base reality. I don't have a base reality in my real life. So it's just like, what am I going to do here? <laughs> you're like just trying it out. Yeah. Um, um, no, uh, I, I, what really happened is just, it was kind of a headache dealing with a lot of people sort of not understanding the trans thing and i was just like oh my god this is exhausting mm-hmm. in fact for the class show um i did i did i don't remember what it's called when you do those sta- we walk out and you tell your story the monologue like yeah the monologue. I, my monologue was about a guy in nashville asking me what mtf meant because i was wearing it on a pin mm-hmm. and i was just i didn't answer and he was like oh it means mother to fuck and i was just like yeah i have kids let's go with this <laughs> yeah let's run Okay. Um, and then the step out initiation was one of this guy. He's like, he was an older gentleman. And he was just like, you look really different. Like something has changed. What? No. I haven't seen you in a long time. And I was like, I know it was terrible. I was like, I got a haircut. And he's like, no, it's something else. And he just would not get the hint. So I was finally like, no, it's the haircut. But you look great since your transition. Yes. <laughs> a very nice move. I know. Yeah. So, but that was just like, I was just like, okay, that was a fun class. Okay. So you were like, it was great, but there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen with people's like, yeah, shit. Yeah. And I got into boogie between, I think the second and third class, mm-hmm. maybe the third, the second and fourth class. So I was just like, I'll just do sketch comedy. That's much more fun. Great. And you found like more joy in that and like excitement around that. Is this, is comedy something you think of like as a career or is it something that's like more of an outlet or in community or how do you view it? <clears throat> Um, I, I mean, like, uh, I am a mostly unpaid comedian, <laughs> so it would be a stretch to call it a career right now, but it is like a career aspiration. Sure. Um, I am very interested in making money in a way that is very enjoyable. Great. And works well with my worth, work ethic. Um, and I, I would really, really, really like someone to book me for a lot of money. Please, if you need Please a transsexual, give me money. Okay, you heard it here, folks um very but, cool but yeah um i mean like not only am i doing the sketch comedy stuff i'm also doing a uh like a form of anti-clown called buffon <gasps> buffon um with the with yeah with Johnny yeah. with Johnny dragon with uh the booth nyc um that's our sort of like buffon collective very and cool. yeah i don't know what else to do that's funny i mean that's like enough to that keep you busy for sure yeah we don't need to be doing a million things um cool okay so i do want to circle back to you know like growing up and all that stuff um do some heavy lifting here but um you yeah no let's talk about how i hustle (laughs) yeah how do you hustle um so you grew up in staten island yeah i um i'm from staten island by way of brooklyn Right, by way of Brooklyn. Okay, and you grew up there. What was that like? Were you interested in the arts? Were you an artsy person? What was your... Um, Not really. I, like, I, I, I was really busy being gay and slutty. Okay. <laughs> at what age? Like, starting at... Uh, well, allegedly 14. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, because I would never admit to having any sort of, like, underage sex anywhere. Okay. Um, but yeah, allegedly 14 and it was on Staten Island, which is sort of like, uh, it's not really the South of New York because upstate New York is the South of New York, but it's definitely the Jersey of New York. Okay. I feel you. 
I feel like you're like, it's the central Jersey of New York. Central Jersey of New York. Okay. And for those who don't know what that means, it's just, it's, it's very, um, it's the red, it's like the very Republican, uh, part of New York city, uh, which like, which doesn't mean anything on its own, but it is fairly conservative. That's what's up. Um, like socially conservative. It's, it has a lot of cops. Okay. Okay. Um, so something that might have been, uh, obviously hard to do with given like your sexuality and stuff like that. Yeah. Being very obviously gay. Yeah. We're (laughs) very obviously gay. And you were just like, Oh, this is so what was the outcome of that? Or did you experience any sort of like hardship with that? Well, yeah. I mean like uh, the only reason I came out was because that allegedly uh, as if, Oh, I could say whatever. Um, The only reason I came out was because uh, as a freshman in high school, I started dating a senior and that was really cool but they were like you have to come out and i was like fine i'm dating a senior whatever okay um and then things got really hard for a very long time um i mean at one point i was walking down the street around where i live and someone threw a uh, mcdonald's extra large cup filled with piss at me no fucking way yeah screaming like uh my old name is is a faggot and then just threw that at me and i was just like ah it's tuesday wow um yeah, no. So it was not super great. Okay, okay, okay. And what was and in terms of like family dynamic stuff, was that a p- outlet for you, or were you was that like my well, I okay. So my family is like I technically I legally have a large family, mm-hmm. um, but my engagement with them and my sort of like attachment to them is tenuous. Okay. I have seven. Oh no, I have six siblings. I'm the oldest of seven, um, but I only talk to one of them. Uh, four of them live with my father who I've not spoken to since I was 19 and at 12 years old he kicked me out of his house essentially to live with my grandmother uh, who lived in Staten Island while he lived in upstate it was it was really a blessing I did not have to live in upstate New York okay (laughs) that was the silver lining there and I was like at 12 years old so the only person I had real contact with in my family like a lot was my grandmother and she was not the most approving of my sexuality. Um, there would be times when she would like get so angry at the way that I was engaging with my sexuality, which to be fair, if you had like a, a 16, 17 year old grandchild who was out at all hours of the night with strange men, maybe you'd be a little worried too, but sure. she, she got angry and it was, it was not very easy. Um, and instead of finding a lot of like comfort and safety in my family for my sexuality instead became very like dramatic and painful. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then what prompted the move to New York? So you got into Hunter. Yeah. I got into Hunter and I was like commuting on the express bus anyway. And I started dating someone who lived in the dorms and I just essentially moved into the dorms, (laughs) um, because it was just more convenient and like they were hot and I was hot and it was just really fun. (laughs) two hot people having a blast at the hunter dorm yeah and then i was like i applied to live there and i it was you know it was expensive and it was annoying but it meant that i could move out of my grandmother's home uh and it it just it was it had become like a pretty toxic environment at times she's much better now i love her very much but it was not great okay and right 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 um and how how long ago was the move to new york when did you first move here um the move to manhattan was i was 19 years old you were 19 okay gotcha oh that's the that's the doggy if you can hear him um okay so you moved here when you were 19 you're like i'm living in this dorm um and doing my thing and how is that like adjustment for you you were obviously probably coming into the city a lot so it's not like you had any sort of culture shock with like being in the big city kind of thing no and i mean like i was commuting to the city very regularly from the age of 14 because sure. i was consistently dating age appropriate men Woohoo! <laughs> party yeah so um i had like been very experienced with going to manhattan frequently um, okay. usually wall street and some hell kitchen but okay. um I know. I had very, I had very expensive tastes. Oh my god! <laughs> and no sense, and no sense. Oh, were you like ever scared to do that stuff, or were you just like, "Fuck it, I'm going"? I mean, out. I didn't know better. I just right. did not know better. Right. I was on like Adam for Adam, and it was just like I was lying about my age, right? And it was like that. That was it. That was. Were what you I was getting hearing. like carded and stuff, or did you have a fake, or how did you do that? Um, I mean, like I used to, I like I. I 
I went to this party called Splash, mm-hmm. um, which was supposed to card people, but they had like twink nights, sure, and sure. At, they sometimes didn't. If you looked like you can't tell the difference between a twenty-one or a nineteen-year-old twink or right. a seventeen-year-old twink at times. Um, but that was fun. Yeah. Were you going with friends or just you? Um, I mean, I was going with boyfriends. Right. Okay. So, you rare, but rarely alone, kind of thing. You were like usually with someone. Um, no, I was never alone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Hanging out. Um, so you had that, and then your while at Hunter. How is that like for you in terms of um, environment and life? Um, Hunter was great. Uh, I got like a nice education there. I was kind of like fucking up in the few years, and hence the untraditional student track. Sure. Um, and it was hard because I was paying out of pocket, even though I qualified for like. Uh, financial aid because my father who was not speaking to me would not send me his tax returns so that I could get it and he was my legal guardian it was just terrible okay (laughs) okay but there wasn't really any culture shock I never felt like out of place I had uh, I mean like there there were times that like I was sleeping in the street in Manhattan and then there were times that I was like uh, like very rarely very very rarely um and they were just I mean, it was annoying, you know, gay child. Right. Um, sleeping in the street, though. What do you mean? I mean, like, that's an exaggeration. I was sleeping in parks. Right. They were not literally the street. Okay. Um, and so, like, you know, there was, like, a night or two or a couple where I was, uh, I learned my lesson very quickly not to sleep in uh, Union Square um, and instead stayed on Staten Island. Um, but mostly friends would take me in if things got too hard or dramatic. Really? Okay. Oh, so that was when shit was really tough at home that yeah. would be okay yeah. gotcha gotcha um but there wasn't really a culture shock because by the time i was in college it had all i had already been like put through the ringer and like you know i nothing was really going to shock me or hurt me got it okay you like felt like tough skin kind of thing yeah yeah you've like gone through the ringer enough yeah um and when did you come out as trans um i came out as trans i think think at 21 20 it's been a while okay i think i came out at 20 and started estrogen maybe at 21 22 ish dope 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 um and then obviously life happened and then you said that you had to drop out yeah i was i was a pretty like insane transsexual for a minute there like everything went crazy and um i've like suffered from suicidality for a long time and like we had dropped out of my um, psych program and was just sort of like throwing everything to the wind, partying a lot, going out a lot, but not actually doing any performances while I was out there. So it was all just for fun and interfering with my life and also building a community and making me a lot of friends. And it was really lovely and beautiful, mm-hmm. but I was perhaps not doing the best things for myself. Okay. Um, do you want to dive into that? Like meaning? I mean, like there was like, maybe maybe I'd be out till 4 a.m. five days a week. Sure, sure, sure. Um, maybe more. <laughs> sure. Um, sometimes 7 a.m. at the after-afters. Um, Listen, I've been there. Yeah, and uh, just instead of worrying about or caring about school, I was just like sort of hanging out with people like me, which were insane, like on-drug trans people who right. were just looking to have fun. Um, and I wasn't really doing anything creative or constructive at that time except for like figuring out my sort of like what I enjoy in the world. Sure. Um, and man, did I enjoy it. Oh, yeah? yeah? You had a good time? I had a great time. Fuck I had, yeah. I did so many drugs. I mean, I still do a lot of drugs. <laughs> but I did so many drugs and I drank a lot. I, do, I no longer drink. And I did a lot of coke. I also don't do coke. Um <laughs> But I had a great time. Like, don't I regret it one bit, honey. I do not regret a single thing. <laughs> I have seen some great drag performances. <laughs> I have seen some wonderful experimental art. I've gone to some really amazing like raves. I just am. I had a lot of fun. That's what's up. You know, live life to the fucking fullest. Yeah. I oh. mean, like the 20s are the perfect time to drop out. Of, if you're listening to this and you're in your early to mid 20s, drop out of drop college out of and do a lot of drugs and have fun. <laughs> You heard it. Drop out of school, do drugs, and have fun. And that is the message that we are here to spread at How Do You Hustle. And I'm glad we said it out loud. Um, That is hilarious. I love that. It's like, you know what? We partied and we liked it. Sorry. 
Um, I, I don't regret anything really. I mean, like, good. That's I, really good. I no, feel like that's, I, yeah. moving forward in life is really. Oh my god, I sound like a terrible public. No, like, listen, we all have our Oprahs and they come out, especially on this podcast. I feel like I just feel like uh, dwelling on mistakes you made is perhaps not the most helpful thing. Instead of pulling out like what was helpful in that time and what was not, and forgiving yourself, especially if you were a young person, just like. Young people make a lot of mistakes. They hurt a lot of people. They do a lot of things. And forgiving yourself but learning from it is essential. Mm-hmm. For example, I now know I prefer LSD over shrooms. <laughs> yeah, it all boils down to which drug you really prefer, you know. And that's how and that's how we and that's how we do it. That is so funny. Um, okay, cool, 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 cool. So that part of your life happened. Um, had you been? uh just creatively for you were you doing was that part of your life when you were in high school at all like were you into theater and stuff or no lol you're like literally no i told you i was going to the city and i was like i was just having gay sex a lot like literally all my free time was spent having like boys chasing boys boys. having sex with boys like all these things love it men chasing men 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 all kinds of men and then did you were you, what about school stuff were you like into it or um really? i mean like I, I i had the terrible burden of being uh smarter than i was hardworking. sure um it was that terrible thing where i graduated with a like i don't know like 76 percent but like i got into every college i applied to really because i like tested well and i uh wrote really stupid inspiring messages in my fucking essays and right. i was like i'm political and i was like very political mm-hmm. i was more political than i was artistic um i wasn't really creating anything except like spaces and actions oh cool um so like that was what i was doing with my time oh let's dive into that what do you mean creating spaces and actions um I'll, like in my high school i ended up being like the president of the gca gca g i am um, in high school, I was the president of my GSA, which was the Gay Straight Alliance, which Great. was like, you know, a really important space. And I was like organizing some actions like petitions or the Day of Screaming, which was the opposite of the Day of Silence. <laughs> I love that. Um, there was like, uh, I, I did like public uh, actions in like the main entrance and the hallways. And I was very about like, let's get this to the hallways. Let's get people like looking at us, listening to our problems, stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. We, um, uh, like the petitions that I started were things like as sitting outside of the blood drive and like making sure everyone who was going in was signing this petition saying, please let gay people give blood. Yes. More gay blood. More gay blood. Uh, yeah. So that was what I was doing in high school. That mostly. is so badass. And where did that, how was that inspired? Like, were you just like, I'm going to fucking take this into my own hands and be this person or, or I don't know. Like, wh- how did that happen for you? Was that always just inside of you? I don't, I mean, like, I, I can't really point to a sort of like, in like political inspiration right. moment. Um, I had always like this, like growing up uh, gay and like being, horribly mistreated by everyone while still like having and like frankly i had no friends i was like incredibly uncool like i did not have a single friend really like a real friend who was lasting and like kind and really there for me Mm -hmm. until like college okay okay um and so i was just i always had like the sense that things were wrong in the world and i couldn't figure out why and i just knew that i needed to look at the problems that i was experiencing and fix them and I was so bad at fixing my own like personal life that I was just looking at like the th- the larger problems and trying to fix those. Absolutely. What? Um, how did you get involved in that space in New York? Did, were you just like, I'm going to sign up for this thing? Or well, um, I moved to New. I moved to like uh, Manhattan. Around, I was like, I was in Manhattan around the time of Occupy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I had like sort of like man meandered through the pl- the spaces and I was like this is really cool and previous to that I had identified as an anarchist um although not having read much like uh specific f- like uh anarchist like not many specific anarchist writers mm-hmm. like like I wasn't reading Kropotkin at like 16 years old although I should have been if you're 16 Who years old read Kropotkin <laughs> right. learn about bread <laughs> um and instead i was just sort of like reading about about anarchy and like the principles on like the internet and stuff like that sure um and then after occupy uh like i was like oh that was really inspiring like how do i get involved in this and so i was like sort of 
talking to more people like on campus and then I eventually started talking to people off campus and then I was showing up to a lot of actions and and then I was showing up to a lot of actions in a specific type of way that got a specific type of people noticing me Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then I was getting involved in direct actions in a like specific type of way. Gotcha. At this point you had come out as trans. Um, By the time I was in... um, more direct action coalitions and groups i was this was about maybe five ish years ago okay. um sort of like dipping my toes into it and then about th- four ish years ago to three ish years ago i was like consistently showing up to things and doing things and like very very active like gone all night sometimes wow and where does that come from like the, again that drive to do that uh love a lot of love a lot of like passion um being a trans woman means that i was like uh sort of excommunicated from a lot of groups i was part of and uh i was i had like i mean like i've been physically assaulted in the street a lot um i've been thrown onto train tracks i've been spitting my like people have spit in my face swiped at me um i've been like kicked on the ground like my life has been filled with like a lot of violence and so i just I want people to love me and I want people to love each other. And I am angry that that love is not like a default emotion in people and upset that a fight needs to be had, but very willing to, I'm very willing to seek as much love as possible. I, I desperately need it and I am, I'm, and I try to give it as much as possible. And part of that is just showing up and doing work. Yeah, that's what's up. I have goosebumps. Um, wow. Okay, so you were part of these movements, experiencing going through hell and back, literally, um, but also fighting your hardest to try to change it, right? Um, and then you're like, you know what? I would love to take an class. <laughs> um yeah ah, if this like doesn't put things in perspective i don't know what does you're like someone kicked me into the train tracks hope your lloyd audition goes well do you know what i mean like jesus fucking christ well yeah i mean like things have calmed down a lot recently and i think it's just like the world is changing people are like there's a lot more trans people than there were when i first came out mm-hmm. when i first came out i didn't know a single trans woman in person that i was hanging out with until like a year and a year into my transition wow maybe a year and a half okay um and so yeah i don't know i just was i i didn't i wasn't really doing anything i was sad and i was lonely and i was like what should i do and uh i was with my husband and he was like the person i was spending the most time with and Great. he was just like you should do this and before i had taken the improv class we had uh made a show together that was like a web series that was like an interview style called how to date a trans woman right that was a interview style show where um we would simulcast to Facebook and Chatterbait and uh, have people ask trans women and one, like trans women, trans feminine people, non-binary people, and once a trans masculine or trans man um, who was, uh, who dated a lot of trans women. And I mean, a lot of trans women. <laughs> um, and we were, we were I, I had done that with my husband and it was, great Mm -hmm. and i had sort of like that was my first time doing any sort of real public facing consistent art before that i had mostly been asked to like pee on drag queens and um (laughs) you just said pee on drag queens i just want to make sure i heard that right perfect um and do other sort of like tetriary or like assistant work in other people's performances Uh uh-huh very very cool or paint signs okay and how did that show go um how what was oh it was phenomenal it was phenomenal it was it was we were the most popular streaming channel on chatterbait anytime that we were on really oh fuck yeah in the trans category that's great yeah we were number one in the trans category every time that we were streaming and this is like going up against like performers with like large followings and stuff like that and what kind of topics would you cover we literally just i i would have like some vague outline questions but mostly it was just it was an interview style with two people on a couch while we were uh, allegedly smoking weed and allegedly <laughs> drinking alcohol because you're not actually allowed to do those things on Chatterbait. 
Um, and this is all the same source, by the way. All the alleged are coming from the same. Yeah, it's just one person. person. Yeah, it's just, just like <laughs> it's the it's the deep throat state, and they are yeah. just uh, interested in smearing me by saying I do illegal things, of which I have never done an illegal thing in my life. Never ever. Um. Okay, cool. But it it went well, uh, yeah, it obviously. Went really well. And so you were gonna say some of the things you were talking about. Oh well, we were just talking. I, it was like sort of our experience being trans feminine people, trans women, non-binary people and dating people and having sex with people and our relationship to other people, our bodies, ourselves, each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we got really deep and talked about our relationships to our mothers. It was just like really beautiful. And uh, it was not just being observed by people. Uh, The live streaming to Facebook and Chatterbait uh, allowed people to comment in real time and ask questions and we would answer those questions yeah. and a lot of them were like repetitive the same questions stuff like the show feet like stuff like that <laughs> okay we did show feet for the record show feet um yeah um in fact um the first half it was a two-hour show and the first half was uh we were clothed and that was when it was simulcast and then for the second hour we would get off facebook just be on chatterbait and be completely naked Woohoo! that is empowering as fuck it was really fun did you enjoy that i loved it yeah every fucking minute it was just a bunch of naked trans people on a couch like Ugh. talking about things that's beautiful i love that um and what made you stop doing it? are you still doing the show or? no i i did it for um i did it for nine weeks so it was 18 hours of live television grinder i know you have a streaming thing now if you're listening please book me grinder immediately listen to this podcast we're gonna <coughs> at grinder and we're gonna get octavia a fucking show um yeah no uh i so i did nine weeks of that and then i i think that's when i started going back to college oh, around great. then um or i was like gearing up to do it and i just i got kind of burnt out doing like 18 hours of live television in nine weeks that's a lot um yeah no it's a that's lot. a lot was that paid or unpaid no it was completely unpaid Holy no shit. one got paid in anything that's uh, insane yeah no um and you're like the top freaking show on the platform we got tips but we didn't get a lot of tips because mm-hmm. most tips come from like private showings and stuff like that mm-hmm. so through the econo- through like the economy of the chat shows we actually were not doing things to min max our returns Ugh. Um, like if I were to do a smart way, I would say one question free, second question is five bucks, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to keep it as completely free and accessible as possible so that anyone could watch it and anyone could participate in asking questions that they felt were important because like people feel a lot of shame around wanting trans women or having sex with trans women and for, and they often interact exclusively in a sexual manner with trans women, um, that having that sort of direct connection with someone and talking to them about what you feel or what you want to know was really important for me to like have with an audience. Interesting. Oh, so the audience wasn't uh, necessarily in the queer community. No, most of our audience on Chatterbait, I would say like maybe 90% of audience on Chatterbait until we switched over to the second half, so the second hour in which all, a lot of the Facebook people would come over um, were like cis straight men. Really? Yeah. Was there ever a question? What was like, what was like the most common question you got? Where do I meet trans women? Really? Yeah. That was the most common. Most people are just like, they don't know how to meet trans women in person. The answer is grinder. Right. Okay. The answer was always grinder. Hashtag grinder. Um, okay. And then what was, yeah. Any other like common questions you were asked? Show feet. <laughs> um, Quentin. <laughs> um, Get out of that. Get out uh, of the it was yeah so there was just a lot of people wanting us to show our feet and we did that of, like as like you know there was one person called like um like foothold cuckold or something like that uh-huh. maybe just foot cuckold um they were they watched every episode um they were very nice and we showed our feet as thank you <laughs> as a thank you for being so loyal to the program yeah no we we cheered our fans well <laughs> that um okay what uh, were there any like uh questions that were kind of shitty ever or? yeah of course but we of mostly course, didn't yeah. uh answer those because uh i had it was uh i was interviewing two people mm-hmm. and then behind the cameras we had um we had two we had like an a director an assistant director and then we had our like uh like pa gopher person um so it was the job of like the director and the assistant director to like both make sure things were framed well and stuff like that and then also give us the questions Great. so they filtered out a lot of like the shitty questions and stuff like that that's wonderful 
This sounds like a this is a real production that should be paid and should be streamed currently. Yeah. So Grinder or whoever's listening. Scruff. I'll take Scruff. Scruff. Although Grinder would be the preferred platform since there's more trans women there. Sure, sure, sure. Um, very cool. So you did that. We'll take Tinder. Tinder if you're listening. <laughs> also I don't, Tinder. They're not really into nudity, but like, you know, we don't have to be naked. It was just fun. That was just a fun that was the second half. You missed the first half, Tinder, where we talk about that's like there's a clothes part to it um cool okay so you did that and then why did you stop the show i was just tired you're just tired tired. right you were saying 18 hour days too much 18 hour like uh, it wasn't 18 hours a day it was like 18 hours like of things in nine weeks was just kind of kind of a lot and it was like organizing it was difficult because uh, like i was the showrunner so i was like in charge of getting people and then making sure they were there and then making sure they were taken care of and like doing the promotion and all these other things um sometimes people walk into Babyland and they recognize me from how to date a trans woman and I'm just like that's cool that's amazing someone the other week though uh, recognized me from the woman's strike talk I gave a speech I gave which was also interesting I want to talk about that okay so that's that's why that's what I was getting at when I was like you're still politically active because I saw a video of you um, giving a speech a very inspiring speech I felt um can you tell me a little bit about that sure was this the one from this year yeah okay so that was actually me giving a talk about prep okay and uh its importance in my life um i'm i was reached out to by my insurance at the time Medicare, which is an insurance that is exclusively for like uh, hiv positive and uh trans people great um trans non-binary etc people um and they had reached out to me they were like we know that you are like we we're trying to get someone in the community to like from the community that is on prep to speak at this thing. And I was like, Oh, you should really actually ask a trans woman of color instead of me. And like, I pressed that like multiple times. Sure. And they were like, Oh, we tried. No one wants to do it. And I'm like, fine, whatever. Okay. Um, but they were just like, we want someone to tell like, just sort of like a story about their experience as like a community member instead of as a politician or as like someone in a organization or stuff like this and that and this. Um, and so I'm sure they wanted me to do like trauma porn or some stuff like that, where it's like, ah, it's so hard. <laughs> you have no prep has saved my life because I was a miserable cross-dressing faggot beforehand. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Octavia, I'm a fucking obsessed with you. Um, but that's so funny. Instead, that is so funny. <laughs> Okay. But instead of trauma porn, I met with my friend Ted Kerr, who um, is is one of the organizers of what would an HIV doula do, um, which is a which is I think a really beautiful and wonderful organization. And I was like, I don't want to be trauma porn. How should I do this? Sure. And Ted, um, who's really lovely and has a wonderful mustache, um, and is unfortunately Canadian. Um, <laughs> unfortunately Canadian. Yes. Oh. Um, although oh, so Do we love. I know. I'm kidding. I love <laughs> Canadian. No, I don't want to move there. Okay. Um, I would never move out of New York City. I was born here and I will die here. Yeah, that's what that's a real New Yorker through and through, I will say. I will say. That's uh, proof. Um, I would... Uh, anyway, I met with Ted and I was like, I don't want to be trauma porn. I know I want to do something that is like real and inspiring, but not like, oh, it's so inspiring. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, well, just talk about joy. Talk about how happy you are and what joy you have in your life. Oh, smart. I know. He was like, why don't you talk about how prep enables you to live with joy? And I was like, oh my God. Duh. That's a great angle. Fuck yeah. So um, I was invited to do that as a community member. And instead of doing what I think they were specifically looking for, which was something to point out and be like, look at how hard trans women's lives are. Um, I instead made it about how like filled with like how prep enables me to live my life filled with joy and enables me to experience more in my life and feel really in my body and present because the like there's no fear right um and like god bless ted kerr that's what's up shout out to ted um so that was the speech i gave this year at uh brooklyn borough city hall um which was fun wonderful and then can you tell me about the women's yeah, so the women's strike was several years ago, I think maybe three. Um, and I was asked to talk about a talk about unionizing at Babeland. Unionizing at Babeland. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's get into that. Bish. Okay, so what's that about? It turns out the hustle you want to know about is actually... Daniel came <laughs> up. Yeah, 40 minutes in, we're getting to the fucking meet, Octavia. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. So the hustle uh, around that is... The hustle, the bustle, whatever. Um, <laughs> the uh, So I was not... The like, I, 
I was a I was a organizer uh, because it takes a lot of people to sure. form a union, um, and I was I hope helpful. I like was able to help convince people to sign on to the cards through the RWDSU, which is the Retail Wholesale Department Store Union, um, which is a sort of like smaller organization and part of a larger organization. And I'm forgetting the name of the larger union they're part of right now. I want to say the AFLCO. No, it's I don't remember. But the RWDSU was the union we organized through. Um <coughs> We at Babeland were just sort of tired of the mistreatment of the staff. Um, we were at that time, like, uh, there was, like, a lot of trans people there. There were a lot of people of color there. And, like, the vast majority of, like, Babeland's, um, like, I don't know if corporate world is the right thing. But, like, the, a lot of those people were not really listening to our concerns in the workplace. We were feeling unsafe very frequently because people would come in and be violent towards us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were feeling like we weren't getting paid adequately for the work that we were doing. Uh, we wanted healthcare. Mm-hmm. We wanted a lot. Of, we had like a lot of demands, concerns, etc. That no one was taking seriously, and in fact, people were getting fired, kind of for no reason, very what? frequently. Yes. Um, and there was just sort of it was a really not amazing experience. And this is with the previous owners of Babeland. Babeland was uh, acquired after unionizing and the current owners are very different um, than the previous ones. But the previous ones were just, they were not hearing us or really it felt frankly that they were openly hostile to us at times, which proved to be correct because when we filed to unionize, they hired and spent a lot of money on, uh, from what I understand, although I could be wrong on how much money they spent, probably not um on allegedly allegedly thank you i can um allegedly they they hired a lawyer who like to help fight against the union right like contract and it like help advise them on how to get people not to vote to have a union in because there's a period between like declaring you're going to unionize and then actually voting to do it um and this is like the rules of the national national labor board um National Labor Relations Board or whatever. And um, they were trying pretty hard to bust us. Mm -hmm. And then when that failed, they fought against our union. Like they fought every single step of the way in the contract negotiation. Wow. It was horrible. And did you all have a lawyer representing you or? Um, The RWDSU was representing us. Right. Okay. So um, like lawyer through them and like um, organizers through them and like uh, just like union officials were helping us with that. That's wonderful. And you led that? Uh, no, 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 no. I did not lead <laughs> anything. No one really led anything. Yeah. Um, I was one of the first people to sign, sign a card. Um, and I was at, a, I think, every contract negotiating me- negotiation meeting, like really sort of being like as firm as possible, pushing back against the um, the management at the time. And really making sure and like hustling to make sure that like everyone's concerns were being heard and like constantly in contact with other staff members and just um, trying to be as helpful as possible during the contract negotiation time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was my, and then I was helpful in trying to convince people to strike and walk out. Um, the reason we had a contract in the end was that we threatened to strike on Valentine's Day, mm. which is one of the, like, which is an important day for sex toy sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, they were like, okay, we need to, like, settle this now. We can't keep dragging it out. Because it was, like, a very long, drawn-out process, and it was miserable. How long did it take? <sighs> Months and months. Longer than it should if you are supposed to be a feminist. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah. So um, the Babeland uh, corporate people, I believe, were engaging at the time with boss feminism. Mm. This is a type of feminism that is capitalist in nature. This is a hierarchical type of feminism. It is a feminism that says, um, m- like, women are the most important thing that we need to fight for until economic equality is needed or sure. until workers' rights are needed. Right. It looks good on paper, but we don't actually 
like the action isn't there. Yeah, there's a sort of like empty core to this feminism. It yes. is like sort of a neoliberal identity politics sort of uh, centering of feminist issues, which is saying that we need to like represent women without actually caring about their wants or needs. Absolutely. And for the benefit of none other than it looks good. It looks good. Looking in, yeah. And know. it's for like, it's, it's largely employed by women to silence and hurt other women. Sure. Um, it is like a lot of the girl bo- boss ideology is yeah. like rooted in boss feminism, uh, which is just uh, success for me at all costs. Sure. I love that. Um, great. And so what was the outcome of, I mean, we had a contract finally, um, it had, I mean, like it was the result of a lot of negotiating, so it didn't have everything we wanted, but it had enough that we wanted that we were all happy. And we, um, voted overwhelmingly to like pass the contract and sign it and make sure that it was all on the books and legal. Uh, And I was invited to speak at the women's strike that year, um, in like to speak about, the unionizing process and like the success of threatening a strike previous to threatening the strike. We had actually staged a walkout um, during an all staff meeting, um, Dope. which went, it, it went well, but it did not go as well as threatening a strike. Okay. And at the woman's strike, I just, I talked about boss feminism and I talked about the importance of workers uniting and putting their like own self interests above those of their bosses and, workers uniting with the goal of like unionizing and getting larger labor protections and having their own voices heard and having their own experiences in a workplace centered. And an important aspect of this is not just sort of like getting together and talking about our issues with the bosses. There's a need to have a legal protection behind these concerns, which is like what the point of uh, organizing a union is and in, and the greatest weapon a union has when it comes to organizing or when it comes to contract re- renegotiation is a strike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe that strikes are essential for workers hearing, like being heard and put, and workers, like if you hurt the bottom dollar, that is that that is really the main thing that matters to capitalists and bosses and anyone who is more concerned with their own wallet than other people. A hundred percent. I have goosebumps. Yeah. I'm, would you ever be like, a, I mean, would you ever want to do like law or like, you know, anything that's like in the political, I mean, Jesus, the political sphere is insane, but like, would you ever want to do anything in that world or? I'd like to be mayor of New York city. Yeah. Okay. Mayor. Um, I think that'd be, if not fun, then interesting. I mean, Jesus, you certainly have the knowledge for it. I feel like you're, I really do not. I, there like the, the specific, like the specificity to law is really incredible. And anyone who is a lawyer or going through law school or dealing with any of that, I have a large, like I have so much admiration for the people I know who are going like through the process of becoming lawyers or are lawyers or are just like it's really really very difficult Mm -hmm. well there are harder things some good are you (laughs) right um that maybe you've gone through but um yeah i mean have you have you thought about that at all or like would you want i'm being serious i would really like to be mayor of new york Um, i think like the first few steps (laughs) are i think the first few steps are helping um i mean and this is just sort of a general thing for getting involved in politics at all which is like finding a uh, candidate in an office that needs or like that needs help organizing or needs volunteers um this should be someone who's like politics you agree with ideally um helping their campaign learning as much as possible continuing to do this process until you feel equipped to sort of put your own name forward as a candidate in something there's a lot of small positions everywhere in new york city for everything and that would be an ideal. But right now I'm focusing on finishing my college degree. Sure, 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 I'm sure. trying to get out of undergrad before <laughs> I become mayor, you know? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. One step at a time. Yeah. Um, uh. And it's, a 10-year plan is really great, but I need to do my five-year plan right got now. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, very cool, very cool. So for you, I mean, you're we're half kidding, half being serious about being mayor of New York. But like there is something, there is this sounds like there's... um element to you that is excited about being involved in the political sphere in some way in the future yeah possible yeah yeah, no i think um it's important uh to make yourself heard um i think ultimately that the american political environment is 
um, not encouraging to people with a with communist values uh, because it is just I mean it, it, the like communism and capitalism obviously clash and it would take something like a widespread revolution to accomplish the goals like long-term goals that I have yeah um and incrementalism has a lot of flaws and I think running for a political office is not in the best views of someone who is like an abolitionist um or someone who wants to see the end of capitalism sure Although it can be very helpful to get like very specific policies passed in the short term. Sure. There you um, go. So, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I am serious about it. You're you open know. to it. And I, like I think I think organizing um, a group of people to put forward concerns and pass policy that matters is really important. Very cool. So you're saying not. Uh, so you're saying sketch comedy is not in your future. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's all in my future. I mean, like I could go through the. Um, oh, who's the woman from Sex in the City? Oh, which one? Samantha? No, the one that f- didn't become governor. Miranda. Yeah, whatever. Um, Miranda, what's her name? Uh, Cynthia. Cynthia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nixon. Cynthia Nixon. Yeah, I kind of want to be the communist Cynthia Nixon. Okay. Um, no, uh, but I, I think that what's important in terms of like being a performer, I mean, ultimately my real desire and goal is to be like a wife and a mother and like have a family. And like Aww. that is like the thing I want more than anything else in the world, which yeah. is um, to get that maternal itch scratched. And so everything else is secondary to that kind of, um, I mean, once I have that goals will change and my priorities will change and stuff like that. But, uh, like sketch comedy and comedy in general and performing in general, that would be a really fantastic job. That is a really wonderful thing to wake up and do every day. Sure. Um, and it is, I think very, very fulfilling to my soul. Great. Um, and in terms of like ways of getting income, I think it is like my greatest desire in the world is to be a paid performer. Sure. Like for like my professional desires. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Um, well, I can definitely see that for you. you. I've seen you do sketch and it's pretty great. Thank you. I remember that ASMR sketch was very funny though. Oh my God. Yeah. That was great. Yes. Um, um, yeah, that was great. Uh, thank you, uh, yeah, Alyssa. Um, Alyssa Stiffy. <laughs> I'm forgetting my own teammate's last name. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote that sketch, and it was really just absolutely wonderful. It was yeah. in our best of show. Um, That's great. Uh, yeah, uh, and the Buffon work I do is really great. I, I I can't imagine being paid for that, but hey, if anyone wants to get an anti-clown involved, please hit me up. You never know. Um, okay. Well, one of my, we are nearing the hour mark. Um, so one of my final questions to you, to everybody is usually, um, you know, if you're having days that are a little less than great, you know, having down days, um, what are ways that help you sort of get out of that? Or like, do you have anything you go to, to sort of help, whether it's community or like, I don't know, pho or <laughs> I was going to say big CD. <gasps> really? Yeah. Big CD is my comfort food. Yeah. I grew up like an Italian household and like, an Italian Jewish household. So the cooking was great, but not amazing. <laughs> but I'm chish. Um, but I'm chish. Yeah, no, I, I actually think, um, if you're feeling down and out, text a friend. Um, if you are feeling like today is just a hard day to get through, remember that it's not always hard. Um, if you can, when you are having a good day, write down somewhere, I love myself and I'm glad to be alive. And next time you're feeling sad, look at that. That's advice from my therapist. Hell yeah. I have a personality disorder and it's going great. Yay. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. Um, how long have you been going to therapy? Oh my God. Um, on and off for like five-ish years Yay. maybe six-ish years nice same yeah yeah up top up top yeah <laughs> Boop. that's the shit i fucking travel to that woman for an hour it's like an hour commute maybe yeah more um my therapist is at cal lord which if you're listening to this and you're trans non-binary or hiv positive in new york city check out cal and lord they have wonderful services um i did the hot program there which is how i got free hormones yay that's yeah. amazing thank you um, anything else you want to add or talk about? I don't know. Um, if you're looking for a transgender token comedian, uh, or I mean, like I do, I, I do actually do a number of like speaking engagements about, uh, queer trans non-binary and feminist sexual education, or if you need, uh, honestly freelance video editing too. Um, 
<laughs> I do some of that for there. internal. <laughs> like, oh, that's part of my hustle is I do freelancing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I'm busy. Um, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> I, I can do, I, I do a lot of things. Sex education, comedy, <laughs> um, post-production. <laughs> I've done scripts, script supervising. Just like hit I me up. Baked ziti. I, I make all- amazing baked ziti. Oh my god! Well, I'll have to try it for sure. Um, and I don't know. I guess I should say a really quick, inspiring thing. Um, if you think you're trans, you are. Um, that's what's up. And that's great. And I love you. And you should come to my trans non-binary open mic called Gender Experts Party. What is it? It's the second Tuesday of the month, every month, uh, 7 to 10 p.m. at Metropolitan. Hell fucking yeah. You can catch me at Boogie Manchas, Panic, oh no, Anxious at the Disco, <laughs> um, and the Booth NYC. Uh, my email is Octavia Leona Koner, <laughs> K-O-H-N-E-R at gmail.com. Woohoo! Thanks for having me, Cammy. Oh, of course, Octavia. Thanks for doing it. Octavia, everybody. Um, pretty great stuff, right? Um, I I personally enjoyed it. I thought it was a great interview. Um, yeah, so you can catch Octavia doing a whole bunch of stuff here in New York. Uh, first thing is she hosts a trans non-binary open mic uh, called Gender Experts Party. It's the second Tuesday of every month at Metropolitan, 7 to 10 p.m. So if you're interested, you should definitely go to that. Uh, you can also see her perform on Boogie Mangja's uh, sketch team called Anxious at the Disco. She also does clowning work which is pretty amazing called the booth nyc you can follow her follow her on instagram octavia leona Koner, uh and see all the amazing things that she is up to um you can also follow this podcast hey how do you hustle with cammy dimitrova um every monday uh kind of <laughs> hopefully every monday um uh on spotify apple all the platforms where you can listen to things with your ears uh, you can catch this uh cool thanks so much for listening hope everyone is just you know staying positive because that's what's up and i'm here if you want to talk uh love you all very much bye <laughs>